Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord God, for this time we have together. Lord, we thank you for the reading of your word for August 5th. Please give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and enthusiasm to know your calling, Lord. Thank you for guiding us, Lord, and guiding us and guiding us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, now we're going to be reading uh, from Ezra. Chapter 1 to chapter 2, verse 70. In the first king, in the first year of King Cyrus of Persia, the Lord fulfilled the prophecy he had given through Jeremiah. He stirred the heart of Cyrus to put this proclamation in writing and to send it throughout his kingdoms. This is what King Cyrus of Persia says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. He has appointed me to build him a temple at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Any of you who are his people may go to Jerusalem in Judah to rebuild the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel who lives in Jerusalem, and may your God be with you. Whoever this Jewish remnant is found, wherever, let their neighbors contribute towards their expenses by giving them silver and gold. Supplies for the journey and livestock, as well as voluntary offerings for the temple of God in Jerusalem. Then God stirred the hearts of the priests and Levites and the leaders of the tribes of Judah and Benjamin to go to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple of the Lord. And all their neighbors assisted by giving them articles of silver and gold. Supplies for the journey and livestock. They gave them many valuable gifts in addition to all the voluntary offerings. King Cyrus himself brought out the articles of, that King Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the Lord's temple in Jerusalem and had placed in the temple of his own gods. Cyrus directed Mitradath, the treasurer of Persia, to count these items and present them to Sheshbazar, the leader of the exiles returning to Judah. This is the list of the items that were returned. Gold basins, 30 of them. Silver basins, 1,000. Silver incense burners, 29. Gold bowls, 30. Silver bowls, 410. Other items, 1,000. In all these were 5,400 articles of gold and silver. Shesh Bazar brought all these along with the exiles from Babylon to Jerusalem. Here's a list of the Jewish exiles of the providence who returned from their captivity. King Nebuchadnezzar had deported them to Babylon. But now they returned to Jerusalem and the other towns in Judah where, where they originally lived. Their leaders were Zerubbabel, Jeshua, Nehemiah, Sariah, Reliah, Mordecai, Bilshan, Mispar, Bigvai, Rehum, and Banah. These are the number of men of Israel who returned from exile. The family of Parosh, 2,172. The family of Shephatiah, 372. The family of Ara, 775. The family of Pahat, Moab, descendants of Jeshua and Joab, 2,812. The family of Elam, 1,254. The family of Zatu, 945. Family of Sakai, 760. The family of Bani, 642. 
the family of Bebai, 623, the family of Esgad, 1222, the family of Adonaikam, 666, the family of Bigvai, 2056, the family of Adin, 454, the family of Eder, descendants of Hezekiah, 98, the family of Bezai, 323, the family of Jorah, 112, the family of Hashum, 223, the family of Gibar, 95, the people of Bethlehem, 123, the people of Netopah, 56, the people of Anathoth, 128, the people of Bes Asmavet, 42, the people of Kiryat Jerim, Kepira, and Beirat, 743, the people of Ramah and Giba, 621, the people of Michmash, 122, the people of Bethel and Ai, 223, the citizens of Nebo, 52, the citizens of Magvish, 156, the cities, citizens of West Elam, 1,254, the citizens of Harim, 320, the citizens of Lod, Hadith, and Ono, 725, the citizens of Jericho, 345, the citizens of Sina, 3,630. These are the priests who returned from exile, the family of Jedediah, through the line of Jeshua, 973, the family of Immer, 1,052. The family of Pashur, 1,247. The family of Harim, 1,017. These are the Levites who returned from exile. The families of Jeshua and Kadmiel, descendants of Hodaviah, 74. The Jeff August. Uh, go ahead. The family... The singers of family of Azeb, 128. The gatekeepers of family of Shalom, Atar, Telma, Akub, Adhaya, and Shobai, 139. The descendants of the following temple servants returned from exile. Siha, Hashupa, Tabat, Kirios, Yaha, Padon, Levana, Hagaba, Akub, Hagab, Shalmai, Hanan, Gidel, Gahar, Reiha, Rezin, Nikoda, Gassam, Uza, Pazia, Bezai, Asna, Minium, Nephusim, Bakbuk, Akupa, Harhur, Baslut, Mehaira, Hasha, Barkos, Sisera, Tema, Nesia, Hatipa. The descendants of the servants of King Solomon returned from exile. Sotai, Hasoferet, Peruda, Jale, Darkan, Gidea, Shabhatai, Hatil, Pokeret, Hesabaim, and Ami. In all, the temple servants and the descendants of Solomon's servants, number 392. Another group returned at this time from the towns of Tel Melah, Tel Hashash, 
Kerub, Adan, and Emer, however, they could not prove they, that they or their families were descendants of Israel. This group included the families of Deliah, Tobiah, Nicodah, a total of 652 people. Three families of priests, Hobiah, Hakas, and Barsilai, also returned. This Barsilai had married a woman who was a descendant of Barsilai of Gilead, and he had taken her family name. They searched for their names in the genealogy records, but they were not found. So they were disqualified from serving as priests. The governor told them not to eat the priest's share of food from the sacrifices until a priest could consult the Lord about the matter by using the Urim and the Tumim, Tumim, the sacred lots. So a total of 42,360 people returned to Judah. In addition to 7,337 servants, and 200 singers, both men and women. They took with them 736 horses, 245 mules, 435 camels, and 6,720 donkeys. When they arrived at the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem, some of the family leaders made voluntary offerings towards the rebuilding of God's temple on its original site. And each leader gave as much as he could. The total of the gifts came to 61,000 gold coins, 6,250 pounds of silver, and 100 robes for the priests. So the priests, the Levites, and the singers, the gatekeepers, and the temple servants, and some of the common people settled in villages near Jerusalem. The rest of the people returned to their own towns throughout Israel. Amen. Um, today's study from Ezra. Many Jews chose to go to Jerusalem, but many more chose to remain in Babylon rather than return to their homeland. The journey back to Jerusalem was difficult, dangerous, and expensive, expansive, lasting over four months. Travel conditions were poor. Jerusalem and the surrounding countryside were in ruins, and the people living in the area were hostile. Persian records indicate that many Jews in captivity had homes, businesses, and relatives. Returning to Jerusalem would have meant giving up everything they had and starting over. Many people couldn't bring themselves to do that. They prefer wealth and security to the sacrifice that God works would require. In this way, God gleaned the people who were committed to him. At one time, God's people had been 12 tribes, then it was just two, Benjamin and Judah. Now it was, the only, it was only those whose hearts we're still sensitive to God's stirring. Amen. Okay, you go ahead and read the other one. Or? That's pretty good, huh? Yeah. Mm -hmm. 1 Corinthians uh, 1.18-2.5 The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. As the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. Wow. So where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish. Since God in his wisdom saw it to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom, he's used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. It is foolish it is foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven, and it 
is foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. This foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans, and God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy. When God called you, when God called you, instead God chose things the world considered foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. God has united you with Christ Jesus for our benefit. God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy, and he freed us from sin. Therefore, as the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. Amen. When I, Paul, first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling. And my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. Amen. 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 That's a beautiful. I'm glad I like the way you read it. Today's study, many Jews consider the good news of Jesus Christ to be foolish. Jesus had not restored David's throne the way they expected. They believed the real Messiah would be a conquering king accompanied by signs and miracles. Rather than overthrowing Rome, Jesus was executed as a criminal. How could a criminal be a savior? Greeks, too, considered the good news foolish. They did not believe in a bodily resurrection. They did not see in Jesus the powerful characteristics of the mythical gods. And they believed no reputable person could be crucified to them, death was a defeat, not a victory. Good news of Jesus Christ still sounds foolish to many. Our society values power, influence, and money. Jesus came as a humble, poor servant. Our culture flaunts accomplishment and success. While Jesus was executed as a criminal, a failure. How could a humble, poor failure bring the good news? It does, it does seem foolish. Jesus' good news is for those who have faith. And I add, those, Jesus' good news is for those who are called by my Father in heaven. This faith seems foolish because it grows out of weakness and need. We realize that we can depend on ourselves only in humble recognition of our need for God and trust can begin. Amen. Yeah, that's amazing. You know, this is one scripture that just really popped out at me. It's in uh, 
30, not 30, but yeah, 30. God has united you with Christ Jesus for our benefit. God made him to be wisdom itself. But this is the one I really latched onto. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy, and he freed us from sin. Therefore, as the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. So that's so cool because Christ made us holy. I don't have to be holier than, you know, I don't get more holy because Christ already made me holy. Amen. And he and already pure. freed me from sin and he made me pure. So, you know, I am there. I am there. I am with him. I am already, you know, that's part of my inheritance. And um, there's the word, this, the word, it's in the word. Amen. The word. Don't let anybody else tell you otherwise. See over here it says, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. And then back here, God has united you with Christ Jesus for our benefit. God made him to be wisdom itself. It's beautifully said. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when you worship Jesus, you're worshiping wisdom mm -hmm. itself. And then the fear of the Lord or the reverential respect and worship of the Lord becomes wisdom itself. You know, we get wisdom. And this goes back to Proverbs 3 and 4, right? When it talks about to get wisdom and understanding. Because mm -hmm. this is... This is I think in Galatians somewhere it said that Jesus has made unto us wisdom, redemption, sanctification, and another thing. Um, Jesus, Jesus is our wisdom. Jesus is our righteousness. Jesus is our sanctification. Amen. Okay, Psalm 27, verse 7 to 14. Respond to God's invitation by opening your heart to his teaching. Amen. Hear me as I pray, O Lord. Be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. Do not turn your back on me. Do not reject your servant in anger. You have always been my helper. Don't leave me now. Don't abandon me. O God of my salvation, even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. Teach me how to live, O Lord. Lead me along the right path, for my enemies are waiting for me. Do not let me fall into their hands, for they accuse me of things I have never done. With every breath they threaten me with violence. Yet I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. Amen. That's worth repeating. Yet I'm confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I'm here in the land of the living. Amen. Amen. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. Proverbs 20, 22 to 23 says, Don't say, I will get even for this wrong. Wait for the Lord to handle the matter. The Lord detests double standards. He's not pleased by dishonest scales. Amen. When it says, yes, I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness. And then while I am here in the land of the living, wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. No matter what's going on, yes, wait patiently for, for the, the Lord. Lord. So there is, a, there is a coming, a belief, a strengthening that Jesus gives you the confidence, but we have to be skillful in waiting and receiving Amen. the Lord's coming. 
Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your beautiful word, Lord. We take it. We receive it in Jesus' name, and we believe it. Hallelujah. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord God, for this time we have together. Reading your word, August the 6th. Thank you for bringing us in unity, Lord, with your Holy Spirit. Thank you for keeping our hearts attuned to your love and your word, Lord. Please give us eyes to see, ears to hear what the Spirit is telling the churches, Lord. Amen. Grant us new wisdom, Lord, and insight, Lord, Amen. and understanding. Amen. We acknowledge you that all things are possible with my Lord, my Master, with my friend, Amen. Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, Anna, would you please begin our reading? Okay, Ezra chapter 3, verse 1 to 4, 23. In early autumn, when the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people assembled in Jerusalem with a unified purpose. Then Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, joined his fellow priests and Zerubbabel, son of Shittil with his family in rebuilding the altar of the Lord, of the God of Israel. They wanted to sacrifice burnt offerings on it as instructed in the law of Moses, the man of God. Even though the people were afraid of the local residents, they rebuilt the altar at the old site. Then they began to sacrifice burnt offerings on the altar to the Lord each morning and evening. They celebrated the festival of shelters as prescribed in the law, sacrificing the number of burnt offerings and specified for each day of the festival. They also offered the regular burnt offerings and the offerings required for the new moon celebrations, the new moon celebrations and the annual festivals as prescribed by the Lord. The people also gave voluntary vol offerings to the Lord 15 days before the festival of shelters be began. The priests had begun to sacrifice burnt offerings to the Lord. This was even before they had started to lay the foundation of the Lord's temple. Then the people hired masons and carpenters and bought cedar logs from the people of Tyre and Sidon paying them with food, wine, and olive oil. The logs were brought down from the Lebanon mountains and floated along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea to Hapa, or to Joppa, for King Cyrus had given permission for this. The construction of the Temple of, the, of God began in mid-spring during the second year after they arrived in Jerusalem. The workforce was made up of everyone who had returned from exile including Zerubbabel, son of Shittil, Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, and his fellow priests and all the Levites. The Levites, who were 20 years old or older, were put in charge of rebuilding the Lord's temple. The workers at the temple of God were supervised by Jesha, Jesha, Jeshua with his sons and relatives and Kadmiel and his sons. All the descendants of Hodaviah and all the descendants of Hodaviah. They were helped in this task by the Levites of the family of Henadah. 
When the builders completed the foundation of the Lord's temple, the priests put on their robes, took their places to blow their trumpets, and the Levites, descendants of Asaph, clashed their cymbals to praise the Lord, just as King David had prescribed. With praise and thanks, they sang this song to the Lord. He's so good. His faithful love for Israel endures forever. Then all the people have a great shout. Uh, then all the people gave a great shout, praising the Lord because the foundation of the Lord's temple had been laid. But many of the older priests, Levites, and other leaders who had seen the first temple wept aloud when they saw the new temple's foundation. The others, however, were shouting for joy. The joyful shouting and weeping mingled together in a loud voice that could be heard far in the distance. The enemies of Judah and Benjamin heard that the exiles were rebuilding the temple to the Lord, God of Israel. So they approached Zerubbabel and the other leaders and said, Let us build with you, for we worship your God just as you do. We have sacrificed to him ever since King Esarhaddon of Assyria brought us here. But Zerubbabel, Jeshua, and the other leaders of Israel replied, You may have no part in this work. We will we alone will build the temple for the Lord, the God of Israel, just as King Cyrus of Persia commanded us. <clears throat> then the local residents tried to discourage and frighten the people of Judah to keep them from their work. They bribed agents to work against them and to frustrate their plans. This went on during the entire reign of King Cyrus of Persia and lasted until King Darius of Persia took the throne. Years later, when uh, Xerxes began his reign, the enemies of Judah wrote a letter of accusation against the people of Judah and Jerusalem. Even later, during the reign of King Artaxerxes of Persia, the enemies of Judah, led by Bishlam Mithridath, and Tabil sent a letter to Arsazerbes in the Aramaic language, and it was translated for the king. Rehum, the governor, and Shimshai, the court secretary, wrote the letter telling King Arsazerbes about the situation in Jerusalem. They greeted the king for all their colleagues, the judges, and the local leaders of the people of Tarpei, the Persians and the Babylonians, and the people of Erech, and Susa, that is Elam. They also sent greetings from, or they also greeted from the rest of the people whom the great and noble Ashurbanipal had deported and relocated in Samaria and throughout the neighboring lands in the province west of the Euphrates River. This is a copy of their letter. To King Arzuris, from your loyal subjects in the province west of the Euphrates River. The king should know that the Jews who came here to Jerusalem from Babylon are rebuilding this rebellious and evil city. They have already laid the foundation and will soon finish its walls. And the king should know that if this city is rebuilt and its walls are completed, it would be much to your disadvantage for the Jews. Or disadvantage for the Jews will then refuse to pay their tribute, customs, and tolls to you. 
Since we are your loyal subjects and do not want to see the king dishonored in this way, we have sent the king this information. We suggest that a search be made in your ancestors' records, where you will discover what a rebellious city this has been in the past. In fact, it was destroyed because of its long, troublesome history of revolt against the kings and countries who controlled it. We declare to the king that the city is rebuilt and its walls are completed. The province west of the Euphrates River will be lost to you. Then King Artaxerxes sent this reply to Rehem, the governor. Shimshai, the court secretary, and their colleagues living in Samaria and throughout the province west of the Euphrates River, greetings. The letter you sent has been translated and read to me. I ordered a search of the records and found that Jerusalem has indeed been a hotbed of insurrection against many kings. In fact, rebellion and revolt are normal there. Powerful kings have ruled over Jerusalem and the entire province west of the Euphrates River, receiving tribute, customs, and tolls. Therefore, issue orders to have these men stop at their work. Stop their work. That city must not be rebuilt except at my express command. Be diligent and don't neglect this matter, for we must not permit the situation to harm the king's interests. When this letter from King Artaxerxes was read to Rehum, Shimshai, and their colleagues, they hurried to Jerusalem. Then, with a show of strength, they forced the Jews to stop building. Whoa. Mm. Okay. Okay, you want to go 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6 to 33 and 4? Is that good? You want me to read? I'll read. Okay. Yet when I, Paul, am among mature believers, I do speak with words of wisdom, but not the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world or to the rulers of this world, who are soon forgotten. No, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God, his plan that was previously hidden even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. But the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. That is what the scripture means when they say, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But it was to us that God revealed these things by His Spirit, for His Spirit searches out everything and shows us good, deep secrets, God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except the person's own spirit, and no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's Spirit, not the world's Spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has already given us. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's word to explain spiritual things. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Those who are spiritual can't evaluate all things but but they 
themselves cannot be evaluated by others. Four, <clears throat> who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach Him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in the Christian life. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for any stronger, anything stronger. And you still aren't ready, for you are still controlled by your sinful nature. You are jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove you are controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? When one of you says, I'm a follower of Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, aren't you acting just like the people of the world? Yeah. Amen. Amen. Oh, you know, just one of the, I like the way he opens up and he says he doesn't speak with words of wisdom from the world, but the wisdom that belongs to God. To God. And then I, this part it says his plan that was previously hidden, even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. Okay, so, but it said this is what the scriptures mean when they say no eye has seen, no ear has heard. And no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. Isn't that awesome? Amen. Amen. It's really interesting. The scripture, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no, and no mind has imagined. Mm -hmm. This is before the crucifixion. That what God has prepared for those who love Him. Mm-hmm. You know, we always think it's when we pray, it's, they use it out of context. It's going yeah. to go into the future, you know, that we haven't heard, no mind yeah. has imagined. Right. But, you know, right here it says this was before Jesus that right. God was prophesying. Right, he was having, he had a, just, you can't even fathom what Je what he's going to do with and Jesus it, yeah, in our lives, right? That's why they didn't know it. Hallelujah. Wow, good point. Yeah. Now I know, you know. Okay, Psalms 28, verses 1 through 9. It says, Give thanks to God for hearing your prayers and bringing justice to his people. Lord, we thank you for salvation. We thank you for hearing our prayers and bringing justice to your people. Thank you for your gift of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Beautiful. I pray to you, O Lord, my rock. Do not turn a deaf ear to me. For if you are silent, I might as well give up and die. Listen to my prayer for mercy as I cry out for you for help, as I lift my hands towards your holy sanctuary. Do not drag me away with the wicked, with those who do evil, with those who speak friendly words to their neighbors while planning evil in their hearts. Give them the punishment they so richly deserve. Make it out in proportion to their wickedness. Pay them back for all their evil deeds. Give them a taste of what they have done to others. They care nothing for what the Lord has done or for what His hand have made. So He will he tear them down and they will never be rebuilt. Praise the Lord for He has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord is my strength and shield. I trust Him with all my heart. 
He helps me, and my heart is filled with joy. I burst out in songs of thanksgiving. The Lord gives His people strength. He is a, he is a safe fortress to His anointed King. Save your people. Bless Israel, your special possession. Lead them like a shepherd and carry them in your arms forever. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Proverbs 20, 24 to 25. The Lord directs our steps, so why try to understand everything along the way? Amen. The Lord is directing our steps, so why try to understand everything that happens along the way? Amen. Don't trap yourself by making a rash promise to God and only later counting the cost. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for the reading of your word. We, we receive it. We admit to it. We say, yes, yes, yes. We admit to your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank you for the opportunity to come before you, Lord, and seek your face, Lord. We seek you, Lord, and your word, Lord. Bless us, Lord God, as it is today. Lord, August the 7th, bless your word. Give an ears to hear and eyes to see, Lord. Thank you that we're your children and you love us, Lord, and you said you'll never leave us nor forsake. Where two are gathered together in the name of Jesus Christ, there you will be in the midst, Lord, and you give us that promise, Lord. We ask you to be here, be in your word, be in our midst, be alive in our hearts, Lord, and teach us how to pray and be closer to you, Lord. We thank you for this reading in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Uh, go ahead, Anna. Would okay. you like to start? I'm going to start uh, with go ahead and lower it a little bit. Uh, Ezra. Ezra 424. That's a little too wide. Oh, jeez. Okay. Ezra 424 to 622. Oh. August the 7th. <laughs> <laughs> Belly laugh. <laughs> So the work on the temple of God in Jerusalem had stopped, and it remained at a standstill until the second year of the reign of King Darius of Persia. At that time, the prophets Haggai and Zechariah, son of Iddo, prophesied to the Jews in Judah and Jerusalem. They prophesied in the name of the God of Israel who was over them. Zerubbabel, son of Shiletil, and Jeshua, son of Jezodak, responded by starting again to rebuild the temple of God in Jerusalem. And the prophets of God were with them and helped them. Amen. But Tatanai, governor of the province west of the Euphrates River, and Shethar, Bozanai and their colleagues soon arrived in Jerusalem and asked, Who gave you permission to rebuild this temple and restore this structure? They also asked for the names of all the men working on the temple, but because their God was watching over them, the leaders of the Jews were not prevented from building until a report was sent to Darius and he returned his decision. This is the copy of the letter that Tat. Tatanai, the governor, Shethar, Bozanai, and the other officials of the province west of the Euphrates River sent to King Darius. 
To King Darius, greetings. The king should know that we went to the construction site of the temple of the great God in the province of Judah. It is being rebuilt with specially prepared stones and timber is being laid in its walls. The work is going forward with great energy and success. We asked the leaders, who gave you permission to rebuild this temple and restore this structure? And we demanded their names so that we could tell you who the leaders were. This was their answer. We are the servants of the God of heaven and earth, and we are rebuilding the temple that was built here many years ago by a great king of Israel. But because our ancestors angered the God of heaven, he abandoned them to King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, who destroyed this temple and exiled the people to Babylonia. However, King Cyrus of Babylon during the first year of his reign issued a decree that the temple of God should be rebuilt. King Cyrus returned the gold and silver cups that Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple of God. in Jerusalem and had placed in the temple of Babylon. These cups were taken from the, that temple and presented to a man named Shezbazar, who, whom King Cyrus appointed as governor of Judah. The king instructed him to return the cups to their place in Jerusalem and to rebuild the temple of God there on its original site. So this Shezbazar Sheshbazar came and laid the foundations of the temple of God in Jerusalem. The people have been working on it ever since, though it is not yet completed. Therefore, if it pleases the king, we request that a search be made in the royal archives of Babylon to discover whether King Cyrus ever issued a decree to rebuild God's temple in Jerusalem. And then let the king send us his decision in this matter. So King Darius issued orders that a search be made in the Babylonian archives, which were stored in the treasury. But if it was at the fortress of Ekbatana, there's no if, but okay, it was. But it was at the fortress at Ekbatana in the province of Media that a scroll was found. This is what it said: Memorandum. In the first year of King Cyrus's reign, a decree was sent out concerning the temple of God at Jerusalem. Let the temple be rebuilt on the site where Jews used to offer their sacrifices. Using the original foundations, its height will be 90 feet and its width will be 90 feet. Every three layers of specially prepared stones will be topped by a layer of timber. All expenses will be paid by the royal treasury. Furthermore, the gold and the silver cups which were taken to Babylon by Nebuchadnezzar from the temple of God in Jerusalem must be returned to Jerusalem and put back where they belong. Let them, so, let them be taken back to the temple of God. So King Darius sent this message. Now therefore, Tatanai, governor of the province west of the Euphrates River, and Shetar, Bazanai, and your colleagues, colleagues and other officials west of the Euphrates River, stay away from there. Do not disturb the construction of the temple of God. Let it be rebuilt on its original site and do not hinder the governor of Judah and the elders of the Jews in their work. Moreover, I hereby decree that you are to help these elders of the Jews 
as they rebuild this temple of God. You must pay the full construction costs without delay from my taxes collected in the province west of the Euphrates River so that the work will not be interrupted. Give the priests in Jerusalem whatever is needed in the way of young bulls, rams, and male lambs for the burnt offerings presented to the God of heaven. And without fail, provide them with as much wheat, salt, wine, and olive as they need each day. Then they will be able to offer acceptable sacrifices to the God of heaven and pray for the welfare of the king and his sons. Those who violate this decree in any way will have a beam pulled from their house. Wow. Then, then they will be tied to it and flogged and their house will be reduced to a pile of rubble. May the God who has chosen the city of Jerusalem as the place to honor his name destroy any king or nation that violates this command and destroys his temple. I, Darius, have issued this decree. Let it be obeyed with all diligence. Tetanai, governor of the province west of the Euphrates River, and the Shetar Banzanai and their colleagues compiled at once with the command of King Darius. So the Jewish elders continued their work, and they were greatly encouraged by the preaching of the prophets Haggai and Zechariah, son of Idu. The temple was finally finished as had been commanded by the God of Israel and decreed by Cyrus Darius and Arsazerbes, the king of Persia. The temple was completed on March 12th during the sixth year of King Darius's reign. The temple of God was then dedicated with great joy by the people of Israel, the priests, the Levites, and the rest of the people who had returned from exile. During, during the dedication ceremony for the temple of God, 100 young bulls, 200 rams, and 400 male lambs were sacrificed, and 12 male goats were presented as a sin offering for the 12 tribes of Israel. Then the priests and the Levites were divided into their various divisions to serve at the temple of God in Jerusalem, as prescribed in the book of Moses. On April 21st, the returned exiles celebrated Passover, the priests and Levites had purified themselves and were ceremonially clean. Ceremonially clean. So they slaughtered the Passover lamb for all the returned exiles, for their fellow priests, and for themselves. The Passover meal was eaten by the people of Israel who had returned from exile and by the others in the land who had turned from their immoral customs to worship the Lord, the God of Israel. Then they celebrated the festival of unleavened bread for seven days. There was great joy throughout the land because the Lord had caused the king of Assyria to be favorable to them so that he helped them to rebuild the temple of God, the God of Israel. Amen. Amen. What an incredible story. You know? Just amazing how, um, you know, these guys were actually, they were born again, if you ask me. They, they, they knew God and, and all of them had a, a relationship starting from the Darius to the uh, other king, the original king that proclaimed, and then the other one backed it up. Mm -hmm. You know, how, how close could they have been or how influenced were they? 
could have been that the Jewish people was praying for him, they praying for the king that they be converted and give favor to the Jewish people, and it did so. Those guys got screwed, huh? The ones that wanted to complain and uh, mm-hmm. and go over there. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it, it's just like these decrees were were really huge back then. What the kings give the decrees, this is what has got to be done. You know, just like in the book of Esther, when the king issued the decree that all the Jews were going to be killed. And that decree was going to stand no matter what. So these decrees are like cast in stone. And they can't violate them. Because what would happen to them? It says, those who violate this decree in any way will have a beam pulled from their house, okay? Then they'll be tied to it and flogged. And their house will be reduced to a pile of rubble. (laughs) Amen. Uh, let's yeah. go ahead and read the study. There's two yeah. studies here. Uh, the, the most asked question, why was Israel's second temple so significant? The dedication of Israel's second temple on March 12, 515 B.C. was the most significant event in the lives of those who returned from Babylon exile. Now they could worship and praise God in the same manner that their ancestors had worshipped before the exile. Now God's requirement for covenant relationship with Him could be fulfilled. A high priest could go into God's presence once a year on the Day of Atonement to sprinkle the blood of the nation's sins. After 70 years of estrangement from God, the covenant community was now restored again. The joyous event did not come without difficulty. With God's help, the Israelites' exiles who returned overcame 16 years of opposition from the people who had inhabited their land and from the Persian officials. Their enemies made every attempt to discourage them, but the Israelites completed rebuilding the temple and reestablished worship through patience, persistence, and strong mm, prophetic beautiful, encouragement. Beautiful. Amen. Yes, Lord. Ezra 5, 1-5, and 6:14. The dedication of the temple demonstrated that God can accomplish His will through a small group of people mm. who set their priorities on pleasing Him mm, and who yeah. trust Him to provide the resources to fulfill His promises. Ezra 6, 8, Haggai 2, 7, and 8. Instead of focusing on what little they had, the people of God trusted in what He could provide. They were dedicated to glorifying God and maintaining their relationship with Him. God proved that He was sovereignly in control of nations and could change the hearts of the leaders of those nations to accomplish His will. Ezra 5, 5. Amen. Amen. Over here it says today's study, Ezra 5, 11. Tatanai, the king's appointed governor, confronted the temple builders, demanding to know who gave permission for their construction project, Ezra 5.3. The leaders boldly replied, We are the servants of the God of heaven and earth. The God of Israel wasn't a run-off-the-mill local deity. He was God over kings and kingdoms. The book of Ezra carefully shows how God used foreign kings as his instrument for his own purpose. Beautiful. God has stirred the hearts of Cyrus to return God's people to Jerusalem and fund the rebuilding of God's temple, Ezra 1, 1, FF. Years later, God's work continued based on the discovery of a lost paragraph in the pagan library, Ezra 6, 6, 1-2. God is supreme over all rulers, all historical events, and all hostile forces. Have you ever considered that God has the power to change the attitude of a person or a group of people? God is infinitely powerful. He can stir the hearts of others 
for his own purpose. We often wonder whether, whether God is at work in the world around us. The book of Ezra and the whole Bible testifies to God's ongoing activity and influence over the world's events. He continues to guide us, guide his course today. Amen, amen. And we can certainly pray for people that, that God will stir their hearts, you know, yes. and make favorable to us, you know. We even even uh, you know, pray I, for elements, the yeah. elements, and the and the to be favorable to us. I really like how, like it says, with a small group of people, you got the if you have the God of heaven and earth on your side, nothing can stop you. Not any any uh, enemy, not any hostile people, um, not a government. You know, no one can stop you. And they had more than all they needed, the resources. But um, that's good. That was really good. Hey Amen. This is the month of September. We're, we're, I mean, in August, we're speaking a lot in tongues to uh, see how, you know. So we're two. We're small gathered people, and we're, we're hitting it yeah. to change the world. You know, but you get like a small congregation, and you think that you... Because in God's time, He grows and increases everything. But when you start off small with just even five people in your church, God will honor the obedience and what He's directing you to do to lead the church. And He'll bring the people in His time. But it's like much can be done with just a small group. Right? Amen. First Corinthians 3, 5, and 23. After all, who is Apollos or who is Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. After all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul, after all? We are only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted the seeds in your heart, and Apollos watered it. But it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose, and both will be rewarded for their own hard work. For we are both God workers, God's workers, and you are God's field. You are God's building. Because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it, but whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may have a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw, but on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show... If a person's work has any value, if the work survives, the builders will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builders will suffer great loss. The builders will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through all the walls of flame. Through a wall of flames. Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. 
Stop deceiving yourself. If you think you are wise by this world's standards, you need to become a fool to be truly wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. As the scripture says, He traps the wise in the snare of their own cleverness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise. He knows they are worthless. So don't boast about following a particular human leader. For everything belongs to you, whether Paul or Apollos or Peter, or the world or life and, and death, or the present and the future. Everything belongs to you, and you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to you. Powerful, Amen. Powerful what an chapter. incredible. What a powerful. You know, that's the first time I've heard. Well, paid really attention, yeah. close attention mm -hmm. to this, huh? He's yes. really explaining. Yes. You know, what we're building. He says, barely going to be saved. The people are barely going to be saved. Like, say, for instance, you're saved, but you're building uh, for the Jehovah Witness or for the, you know. Misleading people. Yeah, you know, you're trying to do good, but, you know, you're taking. I don't know. Let's see what it's, uh, today's study, 1 Corinthians on 3 9 says. Paul uses two images to explain his thinking planning and building. Humans have seeds and soil, but God produces the field. Humans offer effort and resources, but God makes them into a temple that endures. What is Paul trying to communicate? Without God, believers cannot become an abundant harvest. Mm, beautiful. Without Christ, God's people will deteriorate and crumble. Whoa. While the Corinthians argue about the seed or, or that stone, they were completely ignoring the God of fields and foundations. They were lacking what they needed most. Are you depending on a pastor, a parent, or a friend to nurture your growth? Mm. Paul says to depend on God first and foremost to provide what you need. Are you working for, for God's church by your own strength? Paul says such a building cannot stand for long. Only as we look to God for what we need and only as we depend on Christ to support us. Only as we look to God for what we need and only as we depend on Christ to support us. Can we do anything that will last? If the work survives, the builders will receive a reward. 1 Corinthians 3.14 In other words, our work will only bring a reward as we depend on God in everything we do. Wow. Amen. You know, I'd like to do something special right now and kind of like read this in the uh, easy to read version. Mm -hmm. Just for the fact because I think it's so awesome when it says at the end... The Lord knows the thoughts of the wise. He knows they're worthless, so don't boast about following a particular human. Mm. Everything belongs to you and belongs to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. But let me go ahead and read it in the... Yeah, you know... Easy I, to read, yes? Yeah, well, just one point on number 10. It says, Because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Okay, because of God's grace... Now others are building on it, but whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. That is very important, because then it goes on to talk about, um, 
But it says, uh, anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value, and if the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. You'd barely be saved, innocent. Yeah. The builder will be saved, but like someone <laughs> barely escaping through the wall. Remember, I told you that those near-death experiences. People mm -hmm. were saying they, they, that the angel, the guy said he was in hell, and an angel came and mm -hmm. he was prompting them to. Don't you remember when you were eight years old and you were at the Bible camp, and you said yes? Well, who did you say yes? Yeah? Who did you call upon? Mm -hmm. And then you know, and the, Jesus. Wait a minute, Jesus. And as soon as I said Jesus, the angel grabbed me mm -hmm. and pulled me out of hell. That's what it's saying right there. See, the guy got Jesus, but he built on a different foundation, foundation. and it burnt. And he barely got saved. I mean, if he wouldn't, have, if he wouldn't have remembered. Yeah. So that was God's extra mercy going out yeah. to save someone. May I read an easy-to-read version? Yes. Is Apollo so important? Is Paul so important? We are only servants of God who help you believe. Beautiful, huh? Each one of us did the work God gave us to do. I planted the seed and Apollos watered, but God is the one who made the seed grow. So the one who plants is not important, and the one who waters is not important. Only God is important because He is the one who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have the same purpose, and each one will be rewarded for his own work. We are workers together for God, and you are like a farm that belongs to God. If you are a house that belongs to God, like an expert builder, I built the foundations of that house. I used the gift that God gave me to do this. Other people are building on that foundation, but everyone should be careful how they build. The foundation that has already been built is Jesus Christ, and no one can build any other foundation. People can build on that foundation using gold, silver, jewel, wood, grass, or straw, but the work that each person does will be clearly seen because the day will, will make it plain. Because the day will make it plain. That day will appear with fire, and the fire will test everyone's work. If the building they put on the foundation still stands, they will get rewarded. But if their building is burned up, they will suffer loss. They will be saved, but it will be like someone escaping from a fire. You should know that you yourself are God's temple. God's spirit lives in you. If you destroy God's temple, God will destroy you. Because God's temple is holy, you yourself are God's temple. Wow. Don't fool yourself. Without Whoever thinks they are wise in this world should become a fool. That's the only way they can be wise. I say this because the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. And the scripture says, He catches those who think they are wise in their own clever traps. The scripture also says, The Lord knows the thoughts of the wise. He knows that their thoughts are worth nothing. So there is not a person on earth that, that any of you should be boasting about. Everything is yours. Paul, Apollos, Peter, the world, life, death, the present, and the future. All these are yours. And you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. Amen. Um, I remember that. I remember I keep. I was reading that. I don't know what I was looking at. 
near-death experience, I think it was the same thing. We talked about this young girl who went out, you know, with a, she was out for four hours or something, and she was shown the people that are in hell. And one of them, she said, was John Paul, Pope John, the last pope. And, you know, the reason that was given was because he had many opportunities to, um, you know, he was given like a platform. He had much opportunity to talk about the gospel and didn't. You know, the true gospel or something like that. I wow. I can read that. Yeah, but that's exactly what this said. Is right that here. what that, because that, now that's like, whoa, that's, that's like when you're a pastor or a preacher, you're really held to a higher standard, right? Mm-hmm. Don't you realize, this is the message Bible, 16 says, You realize, don't you, that you are the temple of God and God himself is present in you? No one will get by with vandalizing God's temple. You can be sure of that. God's temple is sacred and you, remember, are the temple. Don't fool yourself. Don't think that you can be wise merely by being up to date with the times. Be God's fool. <laughs> That's the path to true wisdom. What the world calls smart, God calls stupid, <laughs> is written in scripture. He exposes the chickenery of the chick. The master sees through the smoke screens and the know-it-alls. I don't want to hear any of you bragging about yourself or anyone else. Everything's already yours as a gift. Paul, Paulus, Peter, the world, life, death, the present, the future, all of it is yours. And you are privileged to be in union with Christ who is in union with God. Amen. Isn't that beautiful? Okay, would you please uh, let me go ahead and read the Psalms and Proverbs for the day. Sure. Praise God for His stunning greatness and for His reign of peace. Psalms 29, 1 through 11. Praise you, God, for your stunning greatness and for your reign of peace. Honor the Lord, you heavenly beings. Honor the Lord for His glory and strength. This is verses 1 through 11. Psalm 29. Honor the Lord for the glory of His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. The voice of the Lord echoes above the sea. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty seas. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord is splits the mighty cedars. The Lord shatters the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon mountains skip like a calf. He makes Mount Hermon leap like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with bolts of lightning. The voice of the Lord makes the barren wilderness quake. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists mighty oaks and strips the forest bare. In his temple, everyone shouts, Glory! Glory! In his temple. Now, that's we are the temple, so inside our own hearts, we can, we can shout glory inside our temples. The Lord rules over the flood waters. The Lord reigns as king forever. The Lord gives his people strength. The Lord blesses them with peace. Amen. Hallelujah. Proverbs 20, 26 and 27. A wise king scatters the wicked like wheat, then runs his threshing wheel over them. The Lord lights penetrate the human spirit, exposing every hidden motive. 
The Lord's light penetrates the human spirit, exposing every hidden motive. Man, there's um, speaking in tongues. Amen. One thing that was in Corinthians at the beginning, it, it reminded me when Jesus in the book of John, when he was talking about um, the, the one who plants, and then there's a harvester who reaps. And this says, um, it's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose. Right? So kind of Jesus said that in the book of John. But you know the, <clears throat> he said it's a given. Wake up! You gotta have a V eight. Mm-hmm. Paul is Paul is saying, I mean, it's so obvious that we're having miracles here. People have change of heart. Right. That's Jesus. Don't Everyone let it go over your head. You know, you're, you're plainly you can see that you've been changed. You have a, a you're a new spirit. You're a new person. Worship God. Be God's full. <laughs> Enjoy the benefits. I like it. Very simple. Amen. The the uh, gospel is extremely simple, and this is the way Paul put it. He says, you know, it's, you know, we're, we're a holy temple, helping to build the houses of God. And that's it. With the foundation of Jesus Christ. Yeah, because of Jesus, you know, there's someone home with the light of the world is in our hearts. Amen. Why do we do this day and night, early in the morning, four thirty in the morning? Till eight o'clock, we're hitting it hard. Cause why? Cause we we like want to get one soul saved. Yeah, Amen. Amen. One soul. Yeah, cause that's what the day. guy was talking about on TV today on TVN. He was talking about how um, how to evangelize, and he was asking people how do they do it. And he, he, I guess it was these people who like waited till the stoplight stopped, and then they ran over near the car, and then they gave him a scripture, and then. You know, and so he was just, it was very interesting what he was saying. It was very important that that one say salvation takes place, you know, that the, that the labors are few and the harvest is great. So every morning on our iPhone, it's going to go off and we're going to pray for the, for the 150 million laborers. That will, you know, for their success will go off today. We, we pray, we'll pray the Jabez prayer for them. Lord, we pray for a hundred and a hundred and fifty million laborers, Lord, that will go out the harvesters and harvest this world, Father. We ask you for souls, Lord. We, Lord, we say that you will bless them indeed and enlarge their opportunities, Lord. That your hand, witness, will be upon them. That you will keep them from evil. That it will not harm them. And God perform what we request, Lord. Lord. Bless your church, Lord. Bless more than a hundred. Bless the the two billion Christians that are out there, Lord. That they will go out there. When we will all evangelize the five billion that are left in Jesus' name. Amen, Amen. Amen, Lord. And for the twenty-two gang members that were um, arrested last month, Lord, Father, we just pray, Father, that those souls will come, Lord, into the kingdom, Father, that you would send out the right people in the prisons, Lord, or the jails, Father, that are going to minister to their heart, directly into the heart with the word of God, Lord, that it's going to cut the bone and the marrow, and that the word is going to go forth inside each, all of the 20 uh, males and the two females that were caught, Lord, and we ask you to 
um, you, you say that you don't want anyone to perish, Lord, in the word, and you say that Jesus goes after the one sheep. And we just ask you, Father, to surround them with your light, Lord, your presence, Lord, where they're at. And let there be ministering taking place by other uh, people that are uh, incarcerated that are going to bring forth the glorious gospel, Lord. Not, a, not the wrong gospel, not the deceptive one, but the one about Jesus and how Jesus' grace saved us, Lord. Father, I pray there would be a change in their destinies, Father, that they would um, come out, Lord, walking into the fullness of the glory, Father, the way you want us, called us to be. You tell us to arise and shine, for the glory is upon us as darkness covers the earth, Lord. Father, save those young men. Save Carlos especially, Lord, the, the father of uh, Jessica's baby, Father. Save it for the, for the child. And Lord, we just we just ask you to surround them with the light of Jesus, Lord. And you're the only one who can save them. Send the Holy Spirit after them, Lord, that they would repent and know the goodness of God is is good. It's really good, Lord. Thank you. We praise you. Thank Amen. You. Hallelujah. Just just reflecting this morning on yesterday's word in Ezra five eleven, and I'm going to read the study again because it really did. Put God in, into his perspective when you got a situation, and um, how God will move. The God of heaven and earth moves heaven and earth on our behalf, and He'll use anybody to do it. Hey, read, read it. Again. It says that Tatanai, the king's appointed governor, confronted the temple builders, demanding to know who gave you permission for their construction project. In Ezra five three. The leaders boldly replied, we are the servants of the God of heaven and earth. Beautiful. Hallelujah. That's something to rejoice. Amen. Hallelujah. We are the daughters and the sons of, of the God of heaven and earth. Now, that covers all that real estate, right? Mm. Okay. So the God of Israel wasn't a run-of-the-mill local deity. He was God over kings and kingdoms. And the book of Ezra carefully shows how God used foreign kings as his instruments for his own purposes. God had stirred the heart of Cyrus to return God's people to Jerusalem and fund, and fund the rebuilding of God's temple, Ezra 1-1-FF. Years later, God's work continued based on the discovery of a lost paragraph in a pagan library, Ezra 6, 1-2. God, that's awesome. I didn't... I didn't get that yesterday. It was a lost paragraph in the library. And they went and got out the decree, right? In a pagan library. Yeah. Well, I missed that. Thank you, God. God is supreme over all rulers, all historical events, and all hostile forces. Uh, amen. Amen Praise to that. God. Hallelujah. God is you supreme. Know, He's not like... Over all rulers, yeah. over history. You know, that'll put something on your tea. Mm-hmm. Open your sinuses. Uh, only because we see it. We yes. see it and we read about it, you know. Yeah. You know, when God says, I hold the pillars firm when they shake yeah. on the earth, in the basis. You know, uh, you know, why don't we sink? You know, the, the earth's core is about the size, when you bite an apple and you see the little red uh, peel, that's about the size of the dirt as compared to the water and the insides mm. of the earth. 
Wow. But, you know, Ooh. we were on a very, very yeah. thin crust. Mm. And, you know, people just think, take it for granted. And God says, I hold the pillars. When the earthquake happens, I hold He's the pillars. The one, huh? In his son. Where? Wow. Mm. So, you know, we're so well taken care of, you know. And God, it's awesome to, to be at this stage where we, we keep well, we, getting revelation. Well, we can appreciate the the ma- the magnitude of God and how huge He is, right? I mean, I think that in our little world down here, we tend to kind of close things out as people and see things narrowly and not from the godly <clears throat> perspective of what God what God can do. You know, it just said here that He's supreme being over kingdoms and all the earth and heaven and earth. That's everything. That there's no little crevice over there or a little speck over there that is uh that is uncovered that is not covered by god Amen. so it's That's like right. you want to talk about real estate god owns all the real estate and you just go to him to get what you need have you ever considered that god has the power to change the attitude of a person or a group of people god is infinitely powerful he can stir the hearts of others for his own purposes we often wonder whether God is at work in this world around us. The book of Ezra and the world and the whole Bible testifies to God's ongoing activity and influence over the world events. He continues to guide its course today. Amen. Over here in another, uh, it says right here, this joyous event of building the temple was a significant the Israel's second temple on March 12, 515 B.C. was the most significant event in the lives of those who returned to Babylon from Babylon exile. Now they could worship and praise God in the same way their ancestors had worshipped before the exile. Now God's requirements of covenant relationship with Him could be fulfilled. You know, even though they were gone for 70 years, they were under His mercy and His care and His love. And the prophets were speaking and he was encouraging them. While they were there in 70 years, they had Daniel, and they had all kinds of signs and wonders too mm-hmm. when they were away. Mm-hmm. Even though they were doing the sacrifices and all that, God was still with them. Notice? Because they were in Babylon. So they came and they rebuilt the temple. Now they're going to start over the requirements. The high priest could go into the God's presence now once a year on the Day of Atonement to sprinkle the blood in the nation's sins, for the nation's sins. After 70 years of estrangement from God, then they were, the covenant community was now restored. This joyous event did not come without difficulty. With God's help, the Israelites exiles who returned overcame 16 years of opposition from the people who had inhabited their land and from Persian officials. Their enemies made every attempt to discourage them, and the Israelites completed rebuilding the temple and reestablishing worship through patience, persistence, and strong prophetic encouragement. The dedication of the temple demonstrates that God can accomplish His will through a small group of people who set their priorities on pleasing Him mm-hmm. and who trust Him to provide the resources to fulfill His promises. Amen. Haggai 2, 7, 8. Instead of focusing on what the little they had, the people of God trusted in what He could provide. They were dedicated... They were dedicated to glorifying God and maintaining their relationship with Him. God proved that He was sovereignly 
and control of nations and constrain and could change the heart of the leaders of those nations to accomplish his will. Amen. Amen. August 8th. Father in heaven, we thank you for the reading of your word. Today, Ezra 7, chapter 7 to chapter 8, verse 20. We thank you, Lord God, that we have you as our controller and overseer of all things, Lord. Amen. Okay, uh, Ezra 7, 1, verses 8 to 8, 20. Uh, many years later, during the reign of King Arcertes of Persia, Artaxerxes of Persia, there was a man named Ezra. Oh, God bless Ezra. He was the son of Sariah, son of Azariah, son of Hilkiah, son of Shalom, son of Zadok, son of Ahitab, son of Amariah, son of Azariah, son of Marioth, son of Zariah, son of Uzi, son of Buki, <laughs> son of Abishua, son of Phinus, son of Eleazar, son of Aaron, the high priest. Wow, wow a lot of a lot, a lot there. Ezra's the son. Yeah, this Ezra was a scribe, who was well versed in the law of Moses, which the Lord, the God of Israel, had given to the people of Israel. He came up to Jerusalem from Babylon, and the king gave him everything he asked for, because. The gracious hand of the Lord, his God, was on him. Beautiful, Lord. Some of the people of Israel, as well as some of the priests, Levites, singers, gatekeepers, and temple servants, traveled up to Jerusalem with him in the seventh year of King Artaxerxes' reign. Ezra arrived in Jerusalem in August of that year. And he had arranged to leave Babylon on April 8th, the first day of the new year. And he arrived at Jerusalem on August 4th, for the gracious hand of God was on him. This was because Ezra had determined to study and obey the law of the Lord. And to teach those decrees and regulations to the people. King Artaxerxes had given a copy of the following letter to Ezra the priest and scribe who studied and taught the commands and decrees of the Lord to Israel from Artaxerxes the king of kings to Ezra the priest the teacher of the law of the God of heaven greetings I decree that any of the people of Israel in my kingdom including the priests and Levites may volunteer to return to Jerusalem to return to Jerusalem with you. I, I and my council of seven hereby instruct you to conduct an inquiry into the situation in Judah and Jerusalem based on your God's law, which is in your hand. We also commission you to take, or to take with you silver and gold for which we are freely presenting as an offering to the God of Israel who lives in Jerusalem. Furthermore, you are to take any silver and gold that you may obtain from the province of Babylon as well as the voluntary offerings of the people and the priests that are presented for the temple of their God in Jerusalem. Okay. Um, these donations are to be used specifically for the purchase of bulls, rams, male lambs, 
and the appropriate grain offerings and liquid offerings, all of which may be offered on the altar of the temple of your God in Jerusalem. Any silver and gold that is left over may be used in whatever you and your colleagues feel is the will of your God. But as for the cups, we're entrusting you for the service of the temple of your God. Deliver them all to the God of Jerusalem. If you need anything else for your God's temple or any similar needs, you may take it from the royal treasury. I, Artaxerxes the king, hereby send this decree to all the treasures in the province west of the Euphrates River. You are to give Ezra the priest and teacher of the law of God of heaven whatever he requests of you. You are to give him up to 7,500 pounds of silver and 500 bushels of wheat, 550 gallons of wine, 550 gallons of olive oil, and an unlimited supply of salt. Be careful to provide whatever the God of heaven demands for his temple. For why should we risk bringing God's anger against realm, the realm of the king and his sons? I also decree that no priest... Levite, singer, gatekeeper, temple servant, or other worker in this temple of God will be required to pay tribute, customs, or toils of any kind. No priest. Okay, awesome. And you, Ezra, are to use the wisdom your God has given you to appoint magistrates and judges who you know God's laws, who know your God laws to govern all the people in the province west of the Euphrates River. Teach the law to anyone who does not know it. Anyone who refuses to obey the law of your God and the law of the king will be punished immediately, either by death, banishment, confiscation of goods, or imprisonment. Praise the Lord, the God of our ancestors, who made the king want to beautify the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem. Hmm. And praise him for demonstrating such unfailing love to me by honoring me before the king his council, and almighty nobles. All his. All his and all his almighty, uh, mighty nobles. I felt encouraged because the gracious hand of the Lord my God was on me. And I gathered some of the leaders of Israel to return with me to Jerusalem. Here's a list of the family leaders and the genealogies of those who came with me from Babylon during the reign of King Artaxerxes. From the family of Phinehas, Gershom. From the family of Ithamar, Daniel. From the family of David, Hattush, a descendant of Shekaniah. From the family of Parosh, Zechariah, and 150 men were registered. From the family of Pahathath, Moab, Elihonai, son of Zeriah, and 200 men, 200 other men. From the family of Zatu, Shekaniah, son of Jazeel, and 300 other men. From the family of Adin, Ebed, son of Jonathan, and 50 other men. From the family of Elam, Jeshiah, son of Athaliah, and 70 other men. From the family of Shepatiah, Zebediah, son of Michael, and 80 other men. From the family of Joab, Obadiah, son of Jehiel, and 218 men, other men. From the family of Benai, Shilometh, son of jo Josipiah, and 160 other men. From the family of 
Bebai, Zechariah, son of Bebai, and 28 other men. From the family of Asgad, Johan, Johanan, son of Hakatan, and 110 other men. <coughs> From the family of Adonikam, who came later, Eliphalat, Jehul, Shemaiah, and 60 other men. From the family of Big Bai, Utai, Zakur, and 70 other men. I assembled the exiles at the Ahava Canal, and we camped there for three days while I went over the list of the people and the priests who had arrived. I found that not one Levite had volunteered to come along. So I sent for Eleazar, Ariel, Shemaiah, Elnathan, Jarib, Elnathan, Nathan, Zechariah, and Meshulam, who were leaders of the people. I also sent for Joyerib, or Hoyer, Joyerib, and Elnathan, who were men of discernment. I sent them Edo, the leader of the Levites, to Cassipia to ask him and his relatives and the temple servants to send us ministers for the temple of God at Jerusalem. Since the gracious hand of our God was on us, they sent us a man named Sherebiah, along with 18 of his sons and brothers. He was a very astute man and a descendant of Ma, Ma, Mali, who was also a descendant of Levi, the son of Israel. They also sent Hashabiah together with Jeshiah from the descendants of Mary and 20 of his sons and brothers and 220 temple servants. The temple servants were assistants to the Levites, a group of temple workers first instituted by King David and his officials. They were all listed by name. Wow. Amen. Let me uh, read the study here, give you a chance to gather your thoughts. Okay. Ezra, in today's study says, Ezra had honored God throughout his life, and God chose to honor him. Ezra praised God for all that God had done for him and through him. He acknowledged that God made the king want to beautify the temple. Ezra could have assumed that his own charisma had won over the king and his princess, but he gave the credit to God. We, too, should be grateful to God for whatever blessings come to us and not think that we did it in our own power. To ignore God's role is to disregard one of Scripture's big ideas, that God is involved in our world and in our lives. God is not absent. Honor Him for His role in your life and remember to praise Him for His help and protection. protection. Hallelujah. Amen. Lord, we praise you for your help. We praise you for your protection. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Lord, we just remember to praise you Amen. and thank you for your role in our lives, Lord, in our health and our finances, Lord God, and what we say, what Amen. we do. Thank you for your involvement, Lord, and we acknowledge Amen. you, Lord yes. God, that you love us and you're supremely careful with us, Lord, and we thank you for caring for us, Lord. We certainly are fragile, Lord. We thank you that we have nothing without you, Lord. We can't do a single thing without you, Jesus. We can't do it, Lord. All we are is we get into your word and we just let it go. 
to others in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Did you get lost a little bit on who was talking about? Um, no. Um, the number one thing throughout this, what we just read, um, you know, it, it, I like how it described Ezra. It says, Ezra was a scribe who was well-versed in the law of Moses. He knew the word of God, right? Amen. And um, it says here, which the Lord, the God of Israel, had given to the people of Israel. He came up to Jerusalem from Babylon, and the king gave him everything he asked for. Why? Because the gracious hand of the Lord was on him. Now, I, I underlined all the times I saw that. It was one, two. And Ezra, when he when he would praise the Lord, he said, Amen. You know, the gracious God, hand yeah, of the Lord. It must like, be about five times that I... His God uh, yes, was on him. Yes. Uh -huh. His God, mm -hmm. his personal God. Right. So, um... Amen. <clears throat> Maybe I say personal is because he's the one who spends the hours tapping into the presence yeah. of God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. And it was and it was well obvious that that was on him, right? So um, and he, and he was to teach those decrees and regulations to the people of Israel. And then how the king backed him up so beautifully, you know. Here's here's what you need to give him, because um, you know um, he's a priest and teacher of the law of the God of heaven. Whatever he requests of you give it to them. You know, they listed out all the things that, that he, they should give them. Um, and that they shouldn't have to, uh, it says, I decree that no priest, Levite, singer, gatekeeper, temple servant, or other worker in this temple of God will be required to pay tribute, customs, or toys of any kind. Uh, amen. Now, what kind of God is that? A God who supplies all that you need when you're doing his work, when you are when you know his word and you honor God. Amen. Amen. Um, but that to if me, you need anything else for God's temple or mm -hmm. any similar needs, you may take it from the royal treasury. Hey, yeah, oh, I saw that too. Woo, hallelujah. Yeah, yeah. this is like a, a prosperity chapter, I think. Um, <clears throat> and the people are to put all, all the surrounding areas are to give to Ezra, the priest, mm -hmm. 7,500 pounds of silver, 500 bushels of wheat, 550 gallons of wine. 550 gallons of olive oil and an unlimited supply of salt. Hallelujah. Amen. Be careful to go over and above so we won't get bring God's anger against this, against the king and his sons. <clears throat> See how close he was to God? Mm -hmm. That he had to go over and above to get what God had impressed in his heart? Mm -hmm. You know, in the king and the God's people? Woo! Man, mm -hmm. there was a fear going in there, you know, that God was God, and he showed himself. <clears throat> are to use the wisdom your God has given you to appoint magistrates and judges who know your God. One of the questions I had, it looks like they had uh, different envoys coming from um, over there, from Babylon. You know, they had one that came, because there were 16 years building the temple, so they had, and then after a while, <clears throat> they had other envoys coming in, or more reinforcements. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They started sending more quality people, more qualified individuals to do the work, and to help out with the work of the Lord. But it, it, it and number 15, it says, I assembled the exiles at the Ava Canal, and we camped there for three days while I went over the list of the people and the priests who had arrived. 
I found that not one Levite had volunteered to come along. So then that's when they got the other other people. Mm. <laughs> I also sent for Joey or Ab and <clears throat> Elnathan, who were men of discernment. And I like, this is, okay, closes with this. Since the gracious hand of our God was on us, they sent us a man named Sherebiah, along with 18 of his sons and brothers, and he was a very astute man and a descendant of the descendant of Mali, who was a descendant of Levi's son of Israel. So it's like this whole thing that there, he's been entrusted to do because he he's, knows God's word and he's a man of honor. You know, God supplies the right people also in your ministry. Amen. Someone who can discern and someone who's astute and all the supply that you need to get the job done. How does that make you feel? Amen. First Corinthians. Amen. I'm, 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 that's where we're at. That's Amen. Where we're at. Thank you, Lord, for supplying all that we yeah. need. Thank because you, Lord, your for gracious having, hand, Lord, is upon us. Yes, Lord. And yes. thank you, Father God, for providing, Lord God. Hallelujah. All that we need, Lord Amen. God. And it's going to be all right because of your protection and Amen. your gracious hand is Amen. upon us, Lord Yes, God. Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We rejoice in it, Lord, and we're thankful, Lord God, that we are in your kingdom, Lord. And thank you, Lord, that you... You allowed us. Thank you that Jesus is our friend, and he's, he's happy to be our friend, and we are his friend. Thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. amen. So look at Apollos, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 1 through 21. Okay, let me read the study first. Okay. Study. The Corinthians had split into various cliques, each following his favorable preacher. Paul, Paulus, Peter, each clique really believed it was the only one to have the whole truth and thus felt spiritually proud. Mm. Paul encourages the Corinthians to pay attention to what I have quoted from the scriptures. Looking back at those Old Testament passages, each had to do with knowledge, some sort of man-made ideas. In each case, men start out believing that they know it know is what is important they know is what is important paul quotes these scripture which point out the futility of starting there later paul offers the corinthians an alternative while knowledge makes us feel important it it is love that strengthens the church first corinthians 8 1. for paul love isn't simply better than knowledge it's a way of life that is best for all first corinthians 12 31. In fact, Paul says love should be your highest goal. In one of the most famous passages, Paul writes, If I understood all of God's secrets, plans, and possess all knowledge, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. 1 Corinthians 13.2 Which is more important to you, having knowledge, what is more important, or having love? Oh, wow. First a... Corinthians chapter 2, 1-21 so look at Apollos and me, Paul, as mere servants of Christ, who have been put in charge of explaining God's mysteries. Explaining. Now a person who is put, is put in charge as a manager must be faithful. As for me, it matters very little how I might be evaluated by you or by any human authority. I don't even trust my own judgment on this point. My conscience is clear but that doesn't prove I'm right. 
It is the Lord himself who will examine me and decide. So don't make judgments about anyone ahead of time before the Lord returns, for he will bring out darkness, darkest secrets to light, and will reveal our private motives. Then God will give to each one whatever praise is due. Dear brothers and sisters, I have used Apollos and myself to illustrate what I've been saying. If you pay attention to what I have quoted from the scriptures, you won't be proud of one of your leaders in the expense of another. For what gives you the right to make such a judgment? What do you have that God hasn't given you? And if everything you have is from God, why boast if though it were not a gift? You think you already have everything you need? You think you're already rich? You have begun to reign in God's kingdom without us. I wish you really were reigning already, for then... We will be reigning with you. Instead, I sometimes think God has put us as apostles on display, like prisoners of war at the end of a victory's parade, condemned to die. We have become a spectacle to the entire world, to people and angels alike. Our dedication to Christ makes us look like fools, but you claim to be wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are so powerful. You are honor, but we are ridicule. Even now we go hungry and thirsty, and we don't have enough clothes to keep warm. We are often beaten and have no home. We work wearily with our own hands to earn our living. We bless, bless those who curse us. We are patient with those who abuse us. We appeal gently when evil things are said about us. Yet we are treated like the world's garbage, like everybody's trash, right up to the present moment. I am not writing these things to shame you, but to warn you as my beloved children. For even if you had 10,000 others to teach you about Christ, you have only one spiritual father. For I became your father in Christ Jesus when I preached the good news to you. So I urge you to imitate me. That's why I have sent Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. He will remind you of how I follow Christ Jesus just as I teach in all the churches wherever I go. Some of you have become arrogant, thinking I will not visit you again, but I will come and soon, if the Lord lets me, and then I'll find out whether these arrogant people just give pretentious speeches or whether they really have God's power. For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It is living by God's power. The kingdom of God is not just mm, a lot of talk. Yeah. It is living by God's power. power. Which do you choose? Should I come with a rod to punish you, or should I come with love and a gentle spirit? <laughs> Amen. Awesome. You know, that's a contamination of everybody mm -hmm. that uh, becomes a Christian is they get, they get their eyes because they get so blessed. I don't know. For, you know and then they says knowledge puffs up. And we, uh, I remember being in the church and thinking we have the, the truth, you know, and everybody else doesn't. And, um, you know, and I started realizing that the, there's God's people all over the place, very loving. And the reason so many churches have different names is, is so you can identify where they're at, you know. The Lutheran Church, the Presbyterian Church, you know. They're all... Yeah. Amen. So we're in love. God is in charge. You know, I just was wondering where he says here. Um, I think I sometimes think God has put us apostles on display 
like prisoners of war at the end of a victor's parade, condemned to die, we have become a spectacle to the entire world, to people, it says, and angels alike. And angels alike. Just wondering what that means. Well, it does say that, um, Scripture does say that Paul, that, you know, well, you know, Hebrews 12.1 says that we have people looking at us from heaven mm-hmm. oh, and are encouraging mm-hmm. us to go. Mm-hmm. We also have, uh, there are, you know. Well, we're made a little lower than the angels, right? So, mm-hmm. but why, why is that such a spectacle? To, well, well to the world, I understand, and to people. But to the angels, they know that there's work being done. You know what I mean? That you're. Well, you know, probably the angels are, I don't know. It's uh, well, the angels see everything, and they they they're probably the angels are baffled why they. I don't know. Good point. Um, you know, it's kind of like every Christian too is a skeptical spectacle uh-huh. to the world. You That's know, right. we're That's a spectacle. Right. The neighbors look at us. We're yeah. praising God, enjoying. Yeah. We wave at them. Wave at the people that don't wave back, and always full of joy. You know, we're kind of spectacles because we. We have to keep going in what we're doing. Right. Because God urges us. You know, we feel the love of God constrain us because we know that there's going to be a soul out there. We mm, have to stay amen. in the cutting edge, you amen. know, that that we will triumph and God victor, God's church triumphant. God's goal to send out workers into the harvest is being accomplished we are workers you know and the beauty of the Jabez prayer is that this work we're doing now is that when we're out in the gas station the grocery store anywhere we're at we run into people Uh we're able to drop a seed either we're either uh, planting or harvesting planting or harvesting for the glory of God yeah you know it's beautiful how he puts it he said um, at the end here it said, um, okay, in 20, um, okay, if the Lord lets me, then I'll find out whether these arrogant people just give pretentious speeches, okay, or whether they really have God's power. Mm. And for the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk, it is living by God's power. So... I think that's that's beautiful. That's I want that. I want more. God's power is mm-hmm. is signs and wonders. Yes, operating know? signs and wonders, Holy Spirit. <laughs> and and and, and then and that's the only reason they gave mm-hmm. Paul the um, all the uh, attention because he mm-hmm. was, you know, he healed people. Mm-hmm. What's recorded? Imagine how much stuff was not recorded. Yeah, uh-huh. Then night after night after night. But living by God's power, when you when they hands on somebody, they recover. You can cast out the the <coughs> enemy out of them. You know you're you're walking in words of um, knowledge. It's easy to see that the, the people once they get saved and they got it, and then you got a good charismatic speaker. You know, they start mm-hmm. thinking about and talking about other things. Mm-hmm. They go into other areas of. Uh, Proudness and yeah, but it, it, but it, he talks about how knowledge is just over here. Um, let's 
I like where he says, Dear brothers, I have used... Excuse me for jumping in. You know, right. knowledge where it says knowledge pops up or knowledge makes you proud. Yeah, that's where I was wanting to, to go. Where is that? I don't know. Uh, but right here it says, uh, For what gives you the right to make such a judgment? What do you have that God hasn't given you? Mm -hmm. And er if everything you have is from God, mm -hmm. why boast as though it were not a gift? That's like proudness, you know. We, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, everything we have comes from God. Everything yeah. we do comes from God. Everything we say should come from God. God. You think you already yeah. have everything you need. You, you think you're already rich. You have begun to reign in God's kingdom without us. You know, that's real true. I mean, <clears throat> I remember I used to be like that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when I was working, or I did this, I did that, I bought the car, I did, you know, all these things that God was, was showering me with this blessing. And I, I should have been saying, the Lord has provided this for me. The Lord has uh, graced me with this. The Lord has, you know, blessed me. He's always taking care of me. You know, I, I, if I could go back, I wish I could have been saying that. <laughs> but Lord, forgive me and thank, thank you for bringing it to my attention. It's not too late. Okay, amen. Oh, Psalms. Okay, uh, let me go read that that one passage. It's in the easy to read version since okay. we're already here. First Corinthians. What is that? Uh, like First Corinthians, starting at. Four six. Let's see what um, it says right here, um, brothers and sisters. I have used Apollos and myself as examples for you. I did this so that you could learn from us the meaning of the words. Follow what the Scripture says. Then you will not brag about one person and criticize another. I didn't see that. Follow what the Scripture says. Where? It says it's on. Six, verse 6 Dear brothers and sisters have you what I've been saying if you pay attention yeah. to what I have quoted from the oh, scriptures you won't be proud so from us the meaning of the words follow what the scripture says then you will not brag about one person and criticize so that's your basis what the scripture says mm -hmm. who do you think you are everything you, you have was given to you so everything you have was given to you. Why do you act as you have got it by your own power? That's the problem there. We all act that we have gotten everything from our own power. You think you have everything you need? You think you are rich? You think you become kings without us? I wish you really were kings. See, they already put themselves in a position. Then we could rule together with you. But it seems to me that God has given me and the other apostles the last place. We are like prisoners condemned to die, led in a parade for the whole world to see, not just people but angels too. <laughs> we are fools for Christ, but you think you are so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you think you are so strong. People give you honor, but they don't honor us. Even now, we still don't have enough to eat or drink, and we don't have enough clothes. We often get beaten. We have no homes. We work hard with our own hands to feed ourselves. When people insult us, we ask God to bless them. When people treat us badly, we accept it. 
When people say bad things about us, we try to say something that will help them. But people still treat us like the world's garbage. Wow. Everyone's trash. I'm not trying to make you feel ashamed, but I'm writing this to counsel you on my own dear children. As my own children, you may have 10,000 teachers in Christ, but you don't have many fathers. Mm, beautiful. Through the good news, I became your father in Christ Jesus, so I beg you to be like me. That is why I'm sending you Timothy. To you, he's my son in the Lord. I love him and trust him. He will help you remember the way I live in Christ Jesus, a way of life that I teach in every meeting of the church wherever I am. Some of you are acting so proud, it seems as though you think I won't be coming there again. But I will come to you very soon, the Lord willing. Then I will see if these proud talkers have the power to do anything more than talk. <laughs> God's kingdom is not seen in talk, but in power. Which do you want? That I come to you with punishment or that I come to you with love and gentleness? Amen. Okay, let's go ahead and read uh, Psalms and Proverbs, please. Okay. Um. God, give praise for the life you have. Give God praise for the life you have and for his mercy and faithfulness. Amen. Lord, we praise you and we thank you for this life. We thank you for your constant mercy, Lord, when we were not with you. Amen. And thank you for your faithfulness for bringing us back, Lord. And now we can give you worship and praise and honor the way you are looking for in spirit and in truth, Lord. And we praise you and we thank you for these things. Amen. Psalm 30, 1 through 12. I will exalt you, Lord, for you rescue me. You refuse to let my enemies triumph over me. O Lord my God, I cry to you for help, and you restore my health. You brought me up from the grave, O Lord. You kept me from falling into the pit of death. Sing to the Lord, all you godly ones. Praise his holy name, for his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes with the morning. When I was prosperous, I said, nothing can stop me now. Your favor, O Lord, made me as secure as a mountain. Then you turned away from me, and I was shattered. I cried out to, to you, O Lord. I begged the Lord for mercy, saying, What will you gain if I die, if I sink into the grave? Can my dust praise you? Can it tell of your faithfulness? Hear me, Lord, and have mercy on me. Help me, O Lord. You have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. You have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy, that I may sing praises to you and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give you thanks forever. Amen. Amen. I like where it says, O Lord my God, I cry to you for help, and you restored my health. Yes, amen. Brought me out of the grave, O Lord, and kept me from falling into the pit of death. You know, for our salvation. He rescued us Amen. over our enemies in triumph. They were the, Sing to the Lord, all you godly ones. Praise His holy name. For His anger lasts only a moment, but His, his favor, favor lasts, lasts a, a lifetime. lifetime. Amen. That's awesome. Weeping may last through the night, but joy Let's comes in the, the morning. morning. Amen. Look at this. When I was prosperous, I said, nothing can stop me now. Uh-oh. Uh-huh. Prosperous and pride. You, your favor, O Lord, made me as secure as a mountain. 
Then you turned away from me and I was shattered. What happened? You stopped being humble and, and you stopped. I cried out to you again, O Lord, and I begged the Lord for mercy, saying, What will you gain if I die, if I sink in the grave? Can my dust praise you? Can I tell if you're faithful ones? Can I tell your faithfulness? Hear me, O Lord, and have mercy on me and help me, O Lord. And then you have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. You have taken away my clothes the morning and clothed me with joy. Wow. That I may sing praises to you and not be silent. Oh, Lord, my God, I will give you thanks for it. And amazing that we all, as soon as we lose a lot of people in the church when they become prosperous, in AA when they become prosperous, you know, and... and I'm sure there's people who aren't in AA and not in the church that are prosperous, and they just keep, you know... It's when the turmoil comes that they turn to God. You know, he can help turn their morning into a And I'm sure he doesn't want to do it, you yeah. know. He, he wants us to be down there and be involved with the common people and their mm-hmm. and their and be helpful. And to praise him for the <laughs> fact that he it like the word said, it's God's favor, his power that gives you wealth and he reigns on the righteous and the unrighteous, you know. Proverbs twenty, twenty eight to thirty says, Unfailing love and faithfulness protects the king. His throne is made secure through love. Now, here we go again. Here's a guy that can be uh, very proud. And we saw the evil kings get extremely proud. And they only reigned two years. They only reigned six months. Mm -hmm, Because they were evil in the sight of God. Unfailing love, okay, and faithfulness protect the king. Mm -hmm. How do we get protected? Through God's unfailing love and faithfulness. Our, we, you know, we're faithful to praising and worshiping. We're faithful to um, reading his word, which gives us love. His throne is made secure through love. There it is, through There's love. There's the king. There. The glory of the young is their strength. Okay, The gray hair of experience is the splendor of the old. Amen. Mm. Physical punishment cleanses away evil. There it is again. Such discipline purifies the heart. So the discipline purifies the heart. We can add discipline. This is what we're doing through the Word of God. We're disciplining ourselves, purifying our hearts through the Word of God. Washing the water of the Word. Instead of, you know, going out there and, and doing things without the Word of God. Amen. 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 Blessed be the reading of the Word. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah.